0: Hi, I'm Dennis Sheeran. And I'm Raymond Steinmetz from the Instant Relevance Podcast. And we're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Peter Rosenberger, who has been a caregiver for 30-plus years. He knows the needs caregivers require. Through his books, speaking engagements, websites, and podcasts and radio shows, he helps caregivers address their own personal needs. You will leave this episode with a desire to reach out and help someone you know who is a caregiver. Lots to learn today. By the way, don't forget to share and subscribe.
1: Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now
0: here's Steve with this week's show. A 30 plus year caregiver for his wife, Gracie, who lives with severe disabilities, Peter Rosenberger understands the caregiver's journey in ways few do. Broadcasting on Cyrus XM's Family Talk Channel 131, and on an additional 180 stations through American Family Radio, Peter hosts the nation's number one show for family caregivers. From autism to Alzheimer's to addiction, Peter addresses the needs of those caring for loved ones with chronic impairments. Peter is the author of the books, Hope for the Caregiver, Encouraging Words to Strengthen Your Spirit, Seven Caregiver Landmines and How You Can Avoid Them, and Gracie Standing with Hope, as told by Gracie Rosenberger to Peter Rosenberger. Peter, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone.
1: Well hello to everyone, and hello to you particularly and thank you for letting me be a part of your show well,
0: I greatly appreciate you being here and uh you know and today we're gonna we're going to get into the, something that you call the eight resolutions uh for caregivers and so i want to i want to start by saying this that um from from your bio it uh, it says this uh, there are an estimated fifty million caregivers in the United States today. These are largely children taking care of an elderly parent or a parent taking care of a child with special needs. Typically, when greeted by a friend or relative, they are almost always asked, how is Joe or Jane, rather than how they, the caregiver themselves, are doing? Peter, you've been a caregiver for over 30 years. Could you take a minute to explain who a caregiver is?
1: Well, a caregiver is someone who willingly, knowingly, and voluntarily, without pay, puts themselves between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster. Now there are those who function in the caregiving world uh and that's their job. Um, but that's uh, that's their job. They leave it at the end of the day, they go home. For caregivers, for family caregivers, we this is our life. And um somebody asked, what's the difference between a caregiver and a family caregiver? And I said, Well, a paycheck. That's you know, right. we, we do this voluntarily out of love and um familial bonds now it doesn't have to be blood relationships sometimes it's taking care of a um you know a very close friend uh, that's you know doesn't have anybody else and there are lots of different ways but the point is is you're you're stepping up as an individual to care for another individual who would be just absolutely uh with the, in, in worse disaster if you weren't there and uh, and so, <laughs> excuse me. It is winter, and no, I don't have the coronavirus. I just have the normal <laughs> cold. Um, nice. But it's um, but but again, we're doing this electronically, so you don't have to worry about it. You, you don't even have to put on a mask, Steve. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Thanks. It's uh, um, you know the journey of a caregiver is is a really uh, interesting journey. Uh, who are these people who volunteer to do this? that step up and do this sort of thing and what are their needs what happens to them what motivates them Uh, what causes them distress and pain and sorrow and resentment and anger and frustration these are all things that I weave into my show and into my books and everything else is because I, I came to this conclusion and I'm in my 34th year as a caregiver through a pretty serious medical nightmare of 80 plus surgeries, multiple amputations, and a uh, hundred doctors have treated Gracie in 12 different hospitals. We, you know, it's, it's just an enormous journey that we've had. And I, I came to this understanding, okay, what, what is the real need of a caregiver? What do we, what do we need? Um, and and I also landed on the conviction that you could give a caregiver a bag of cash and they're not going to necessarily know what to do with it and it's not going to necessarily solve the problem. I, I have some friends of mine uh, who went through this several years ago and they were fabulously wealthy. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars and he had a neurological event <laughs> and his wife is they were elderly was trying to basically take care of him 24/7 and i pulled her aside and they had money was never an issue with these people and you could just tell that she was just tort i mean she she couldn't process it and i pulled her aside and i looked at her and i said look you got money spend the money hire people to come in and care for your husband and stop putting all this on you because you're going to orphan your children well, now why would I have to tell these people that they got all the money in the world? Because that's not money is not the driving force for caregivers. It is a it is an issue, and it is and it certainly makes things a lot easier when you have resources, but it's not the issue. And I am convinced that the issue is the caregiver's heart, and we're a train wreck inside our hearts. And if we don't have someone speaking life to that heart, everything else is going to. Um, bear the, the implications of that messed up heart. Our bodies, our jobs, our money, our profession, our relationship, everything flows from us being in a good place in our, in our own hearts. And so that's why I do the show. And so when you ask somebody how is your loved one doing, but you don't ask about them, you're adding on to that heart issue, which says I'm not important or I'm invisible. It's not about me. It's My needs are not important. All those kinds of things get reinforced. And what I'm trying to do is change that and say, no, it's not that, that you're less or more important. You're, you're, you're both important. I'm, if, if, if I go down, what happens to my wife? So it is important what's going on in my head space. It's very important in what's going on in my heart space. And, and, but people don't know what to say. And so my show, my books, when I speak, when I do interviews like this, it's all about um, speaking fluent caregiver. I mean, I'm the Rosetta Stone of caregivers. And if you want to know how to speak to a caregiver, that's where, that's our launching point.
0: Excellent. The, uh, and this, this is one, going to be wonderful advice because this is something that I, is so often just forget the needs of the person who is taking care of that person. And uh, you, can you tell a little bit about your personal story? Because you mentioned all the different surgeries and such. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit.
1: Well, Gracie had a wreck in 83. I didn't know her at the time. And she was a freshman in college and had a horrible car wreck. And um, she had about 20 surgeries by the time I met her. She came back to college and, and people kept saying, you need to meet this girl. And and, and she really is extraordinary. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. And uh, I saw that she had a significant limp and, um, and she had a lot of scars on her lower legs that I saw. um, But, and then I heard her sing, uh, and I, I was—it was all over at that point. We were both music majors, and, and Gracie's a no-kidding singer. I mean, she can really sing. Um, Mrs. Bush invited her to um, open the um, second night of the Republican National Convention, two thousand four, in Madison Square Garden, New York. I mean, you wow. don't do that kind of stuff unless you can really sing. And um, uh, she—and she has graced a lot of stages over the years. Uh, And still, has just released a CD. Um, And so, but I didn't have any frame of reference, Stephen, of what to uh, do in a relationship with someone who was hurt. I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I was dumber than a box of hammers. (laughs) And uh, you know, I I just was like, I just saw this beautiful young woman who had this indomitable spirit and this amazing voice, and I wanted to engage with her and spend time with her and and the more I did the more I was just enraptured by this person and um, and I thought I was up to the task I was sadly wrong well I take it back I was and I wasn't I was up to the task but not for the reasons I thought and um, and and so I had to kind of almost be torn down and rebuilt uh, in understanding how to be in a relationship with someone who's hurt and, and with Gracie's case, there's not a one and none. There's never been a, a plateau where, okay, we're good now. And this is the way it's going to be. There, there's a crisis almost every day of some kind. There's something. Uh, and we're almost, we're almost immune to it. Not, not immune, immune's the wrong word. We're almost numb to it because the concussive grenades go off so much, you just kind of get used to gunfire. You know, and um, when you live on a when you live on a driving range, I mean a firing range, you kind of just get used to the shots. And uh, I mean, I'm, today when I'm doing this with you, I'm in a hotel in uh, Billings, Montana, 200 ways 200 miles away from her home, and uh, where she's getting a new socket made for her left prosthesis. Um, it's been causing a sore, so she's got a, a bleeding wound on her left amputated limb. That's wow. really pretty uncomfortable. Well, you know, that alone is, is a significant event, but that's not the only thing we deal with. Um, and so we just, we've, we've had to kind of learn to roll with this and we built a life together with it. Um, uh, we built a family. We have two children. We're getting ready to have our third grandson or granddaughter. We don't know yet. Um, uh, in uh, September, and um, we built a life with this, but we built it in the midst of a, of a minefield. And, um, and that's what the journey is for a lot of caregivers. And so that's, that's been my, my experiences with it. And I tried so hard to kind of try to force solutions um, and, and muscle my way through this thing. And I realized that, man, I was, I was paddling upstream on white water. You know, and it's a lot easier when you turn the boat around and go down the other way because it's it's hard to paddle up up, up a river like that when it's flowing at you and and it just wears you out. And, And if you look at any given caregiver, you're going to see that this look on their face that they are straining with all their might and God bless them. They're trying, but they're paddling the wrong way and they're wearing themselves out. And what I want to do is help them turn the boat around, ride this river the way, you know. In a, in a better way and and get them to a place of safety, uh, even, the, even if the rapids keep coming, because they will. But how we respond to those, those challenges is the, the way we can grow as a caregiver. And I think people want to say something to the caregiver. I think people instinctively know that the caregiver needs something. They just don't know what to say. You know, what, 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 what would you say to somebody like me? And people right. come up and we'll give me platitudes like, "Well, take care of yourself" or "Get a good night's rest." I'm thinking, "Thank you, Captain Obvious." You know, <laughs> right. um, I need I need very specific instructions and directions and engagement. Every caregiver does. And so, what I'm doing through your show right now, Stephen, is just I want to be able to provide a vocabulary to reach out to that fellow caregiver or reach out to that caregiver you know. If you're in business and you your business involves dealing with caregivers, you know ask about them i mean maybe you're in a you're in a um you're dealing with a, you're in a life insurance or something, and you know caregivers need life insurance you show me a caregiver that doesn't have life insurance, and I show you a dumpster fire that's about to happen hmm. and and so but but how do you how do you engage that caregiver to for something so simple as life insurance? Um, because we have this mistaken ability we're going to outlive our loved ones and you know what that's not the case sadly way too many times and so uh, you were just telling me a story about that with a family member of yours right and so and so this is, this is where our journey is is okay, how do we speak to these people? How do we talk to them? And when I wrote this article, you know, eight New Year's resolutions to give to yourself, or you know and it's, this is not brain surgery I mean it's not like I'm coming up with just these things that while I 'm sitting up on a mountain somewhere wearing a robe and, and looking at the grass and the trees. you know I mean I'm just thinking, okay, these are things that we can do every day that don't break the bank, don't really cost us a lot of. Physically or financially, but are incredibly important. And one of those is, um, you know, seeing to your own health. You know, so many caregivers do not go to their own doctor, and they just, they go to a lot of doctors. A hundred doctors have treated my wife, but but are they my doctor? And I've got to go tomorrow. By the way, I've got to fast for breakfast and go get lab work done because I got uh, the Christmas holidays really did a number on my cholesterol, Stephen. I am I'm ashamed to say it, but they did. And I, I hate taking, hate taking cholesterol medicine. I'm a pianist and, it, and the cholesterol medicine they give me always seems to make my fingers funky. You uh-huh. know, it, it, it just has a residual effect on that. And so I hate it. And this is a behavior issue on mine of, of what I'm putting into my body, but I'm going to go do it because I got to do it. Right. You know, I got, I got to watch my sugars. I got to, I had a lady calling to my show, Stephen, And, and I said, when's the last time you saw your doctor? She said, well, I don't go see the doctor. You know, the Lord is my doctor. And I said, well, how does the Lord check your cholesterol? And, and, and then I was able to have a, a you know, a more in-depth conversation with her when I, when I pointed out to her in a very kind way, because I don't want to beat these people up, but to let them know, no, your thinking is, is distorted here. And she promised me she would go. Uh, and she would go do that. And, and so, you know, that's what, that's my message is pretty simple, but it points caregivers to safety. I'm not a, I'm not a there, there kind of guy, you know, just pat them on the back there, there. I'm a, Hey, don't go down there kind of guy. Because, gotcha. You know, I've, I've been down there. And that's a bad place. Don't go down there. And so that, those, those are the thoughts so that that's kind of the the long version around this mountain of, of my backstory.
0: I gotcha. I appreciate you sharing It's because it's, reading what is said here, if you know anyone who's a caregiver, I mean, usually like what you said is that you end up not knowing what to say. So a lot of times I I would think people just avoid saying anything or interacting with them. And, uh, and, uh, which is even the worst case scenario just about. And, uh, and so you're going to give us some advice on how to, um, what to say and how to do. And I, I, and this is awesome. So with that being said, you know, we're going to, what Peter's article is called the eight new year's resolutions for caregivers. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read each resolution and Peter's going to tell our audience about, you know, he's going to tell you guys about the importance of each one for the perspective of both the caregiver and friends and family members of caregivers. So, um,
1: you ready? Hit me with your best shot, baby.
0: <laughs> All right. So here's, here's the first, first resolution. See a doctor yourself. More than 70% of caregivers don't see a doctor.
1: Well, as, as I said just a minute ago, that's, that's a great question to ask a caregiver. Instead of just saying, you know, are you getting any rest? You say, when's the last time you saw your doctor? And maybe they have. Maybe they've been regular. And then if they have, affirm them for that. Say, that is so cool because, you know, so many caregivers don't do that. And it's such a great thing that you're doing that. I want to keep encouraging you to, to do that regularly because your health is important. No, you've done three things with one question. You have pointed out a huge, huge landmine for caregivers that they they, they they ignore their own health. The second thing is you have um, you've given them an opportunity to affirm themselves that they're doing something important, that that they are important, that they are doing something that's important. And the third thing is you're affirming their choice on that, so they're getting external input from it how much did that cost just for one question and look at the, look at the impact of what it does. And and so all you want to do is keep reinforcing good decisions with caregivers that, that they can feel that sense of accomplishment. You know what? I've done something. I went to my doctor. This was important. Maybe I didn't get the best report that I wanted to get, but at least I've got somebody that has trained eyes looking at me awesome
0: awesome advice the, uh, you know, the here's the second one the, commit to doing something that brings joy to your heart it doesn't have to be exotic a good movie watch a stand-up comedian read a good book paint play the piano something that speaks beauty and joy to you in the middle of your stuff
1: you know our souls are just bone weary at times Not just, we, we can get sleep but that doesn't mean we're getting rest and rest comes from doing something that is so benefiting. Um, you know, as Churchill, I'm a big fan of Churchill, and he would turn his brain off and go and paint. He said he needed, he, while he was basically dealing with the, the entire world's geopolitical situations, his brain said, he, he said it just ran too hot and he had to cool it off by using a different part of it and he would paint. And I thought, well, you know what, that's pretty good advice. And, and we live, um, out on a pretty big place in Montana. Uh, it, it was my wife's family's place and, and we, I feed the horses and I get up and I feed them on a snowmobile now during the wintertime. Now in the summertime, I don't have to worry about it cause they got a lot of pasture to do. And, um, so yesterday when I said I'll feed them tonight when we get back and, uh, You know, I get out of a snowmobile, pull a sled behind the snowmobile that has, it's about four feet long and about, man, two feet wide or so and about 20 inches deep. It's a heavy plastic sled and I throw a couple bales of hay in that and I go out there into the field and it's cold and I'm about, you know, a foot or so of snow and the horses come running up. Because they 're so excited that i 'm bringing hay i don 't know that they love me personally, but I think they love what I bring, <laughs> and they 're kicking up snow they're 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 bucking and kicking and, and rearing up, and they 're so excited because food is there. You know what that brings me a lot of joy that that is that, that that speaks to my soul, and you know Gracie and I made a decision to move out to Southwest Montana after living for thirty five years in Nashville, Tennessee. And we decided to, to walk away from all of that and just kind of do something different for, for ourselves, for our own sanity. And there's something about just being outside in nature that is so extraordinary for me. And then for other people, maybe that's not what you want to do is go out on a cold wintry day in Montana and feed horses in a foot in of snow and it's about 10 degrees outside. Maybe wow. that's not your thing. Wow. But, but your thing could be gardening. Painting, woodworking, uh, reading a good book. I love stand up comedy, love stand up comedy. Watch it and make somebody, I mean, I mean and, and let somebody else help you laugh. You know, find somebody that can, can can bring laughter to your heart. Those are those are things that you can do. This is what I do for me. We've lived in a pretty extreme situation and now I do extreme things to help me kind of feel a little bit more balanced. But you know, it doesn't have to be that 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 massive. It can be something very simple. Sit down with a guitar or a piano or whatever. It doesn't have to be perfect. Write a poem, read poems, whatever. Find something that cares for your soul.
0: I I just That is so good because I can can all imagine what it feels like to be able to do those things and kind of just get your attention on something else for a while that uh, is more healthy to do, I guess is the point.
1: It is indeed. The the next one, the
0: the third one is, and I, and I love this one for many different reasons. Um, Make a list of those you resent, forgive them, then burn the list, lose grudges, but keep boundaries.
1: You know, I've come to the understanding, Stephen, I really believe that. I've been talking about this on my show recently. I think that the issue for us as caregivers is resentment. I really do. I truly think that is a core issue for a lot of us. Um, And fear and rejection um, drive a lot of that. And then it it just metastasizes into resentment. Um, it may not be the core issue because I think at the, at the bottom of it is is fear or or something else, but, but the resentment is the, the cancer, if you will, that is metastasized. And and we resent our loved ones. We resent family and friends who don't want to help us the way we think they should. We resent physicians who have not done a good job or coworkers or, or ourselves or God, you know, there's no, there's no limit to who we're going to resent, but how does that help us? And, and my goal for us as fellow caregivers, myself as well, is that we outlive our loved ones. That's the goal is that we outlive them. We can't guarantee it, but we can try to live our life in a way that we do. But I don't want to stand at the grave with my fists clenched. You know, you can't push a wheelchair with a clenched fist. Mm-hmm. Try it sometime. Not with them in it. Go go someplace by yourself with a wheelchair. Not with them in it. But try pushing it with them. With the, I can't play a piano with a clenched fist. You know, I I I have to open my hands and let go of things so that I can make beautiful music at the keyboard. And, and that's the way our lives are. If we're holding on to resentment, and it's a delicious sin, by the way. Oh my gosh, we love to be resentful because it makes us feel powerful. But we don't, we don't need to feel powerful. We need to feel healthy. And it's not healthy to be resentful, particularly if they don't even know you're resentful towards them. And, right. and it doesn't mean that you're – it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the hurts are unimportant. It just means that you're going to take your hands off of someone else's throat. Let it go. Let it go. Keep the boundaries. You don't have to be buddy-buddy with them. You don't have to be all uh, – trust your heart with them. They have to earn that right. But let it go. Just let it go. It takes a lot of energy to be this pissed off, you know, sorry, I don't know if I can say that on the air. You're good. You're good. (laughs) But but, but if you want to see what resentment looks like, look at our country, look what's going on in Washington. Somebody didn't get something they wanted and now they're resentful. And look how it's driving the rage in our country whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter. Just look at the rage and the vitriol and the spasticness of these people who are over the top in their, in their interactions with one another. And and, it's any wonder we can't get anything done. That's what it looks like for us when we hold on to resentment and and we might as well just be impeaching ourselves.
0: Right. Right. Most definitely. The, uh, Here's one that we kind of touched on just a little bit earlier. Make one small change in your diet. For instance, substitute water for a sugary drink. Grab a piece of fruit instead of a candy bar. Substitute a salad for a burger. Olive oil for butter.
1: How hard is that and how much does it cost? (laughs) So far, the only thing that's actually cost anything is a trip to your doctor. And and how much is a well visit to your doctor? It's not very much. So these things that I'm talking about are not going to break your budget, but certainly, certainly, by changing one thing in your diet, you know, you don't need to go go full blown and go get all this other stuff because we won't do it anyway. We just you know let's just do small changes. That's where the that's where the real victory is, is a small change. And I've tried very hard to to move away from these things. Sometimes I I, I walk and, and, and darn if a Snickers bar just doesn't attack me. You know, and I can't get it off of me. And finally, I have to eat it. No, I'm just kidding. But it's, um, that's, you know, donuts are my kryptonite, man. And I'm glad we live a long ways away now from donuts. Maybe that's why we did it, because we're 10 miles from the paved road. And, nice. uh, you know, so I, if I want a donut, I have really got to work at it. And and, and maybe that's a good thing. I'm not saying that you got to go to that level, but but let me tell you something. Krispy Kreme, oh my gosh. You know, Dunkin' Donuts, oh my, oh, it just, they just, they they, they call out to me like the sirens in greek mythology you know and i and i swim to my doom but you know what we we can let it go we can we can walk away from some of these things and make one small change don't beat the crap out of yourself if you fall off the donut wagon but but if you start doing this on a regular basis if you drink that glass of water you'd be amazed at what happens to you
0: it's just awesome advice and it's it's yeah, that's pretty good, too, by the way, moving a long ways away where you would really have to go out of your way to go do that. That's a, that in itself would help cure some of that because you'd have to really stock
1: up. If, if, if drinking is an issue for you, don't live next to a bar. Right.
0: right. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like this one. Ma- mail a card to yourself for the next upcoming holiday, a Valentine's Day, a Mother's Day, Hanukkah, etc. Pick out a card for your loved ones pick out a card your loved one would send if he or she were healthy emotionally and physically and put a $10 dip bill in it.
1: You know, like your birthday, if your birthday's coming up or, or something like that or, or Christmas card or things like that, you know, when you get, these are, these are, these milestones are hard for us as caregivers, particularly if you're in a situation where they're, they they do not even know your name anymore or they're in a hospital bed and they can't get out and do these things. And, and pick out the card that they would send to you if they were healthy, emotionally and physically. You may be in a relationship with somebody who's healthy, you know, somewhat healthy physically, but they're not there. And they're not healthy emotionally. If they were an emotionally healthy individual, what would they say to you? And then buy that card, send it to yourself. And like I said, if it's your birthday or something, put a $10 bill in it. You know, why not? You know, why not? And, and all you're going to do is keep affirming positive things in you. And that's a good thing. So, how much does a card cost? Three, four, five bucks. You can find something for a dollar, and then you got the stamp. That's what fifty cents. And then you got a ten dollar bill. So you're you're into this for less than fifteen bucks. And yet, what a difference it makes to go to the mailbox and you see something there, and you're just affirming yourself. And because sometimes that's all that's the only person that can affirm you is you. That's excellent. That's just wonderful. The uh,
0: here. Here's the next one. Do do something physical. Walk to the back of the house and back. Alan Alda walks around to John Philip Sousa to help with his Parkinson's. He's not a doctor, but he played one on TV, and it's pretty good advice. He lifts up his knees. Something that's simple can really benefit caregivers. Weight gain is common in caregivers, and I uh, understand that you have a a joke that you say here about yourself that uh, you got so big that your picture oh, fell. <laughs>
1: I got a bunch of jokes about myself because I did, I gained a, I, I look back at some things. And I thought, Whoa, dude, man, I got so big. It took two dogs to bark at me. I mean, I broke my family tree. I mean, I got so big, like you said, my picture fell off the wall. I, 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 my nickname was dang, you know, and, and I started, I started changing my lifestyle a little bit slowly. I mean, and, and I'm, um, I started doing martial arts uh um, when I was 48 years old, I actually started one month before my 48th birthday, and I became a, um, a second-degree black belt with it. And um, and uh, it's, um, it, it, you know, just slowly but surely the weight has dropped off. And then uh, when I go out and do things, when I, I take the stairs instead of the elevator, and I don't park close to the store. Um, I, I walk faster. Um, I pick up my knees. I, I, I don't I don't slouch with it. Little things like that cost absolutely nothing, but it makes a big difference. Pick up your legs. Don't scuffle your feet around. My dad was a captain of the Navy. Boy I tell you, and I have four brothers. If we if we kind of shuffled our feet along like some of these kids do today, boy, I'd get a thump to the back of my head like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> you know, that he would not stand for it. And um still does it by the way. <laughs> so, he's 85 years old. He still doesn't stand for it. And and that's yes. important for us. This is to be physical, you know. Get up, do something. Don't just sit there and 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 let yourself vegetate. Because we will. And that excessive weight gain is one of the landmines I talk about in my book, Seven Caregiver Landmines. And uh, I saw a lady that did that the other day at the hospital, and her mother looked like just inches away from death. I mean, she looked so bad, and and her daughter, she identified her as a daughter to the receptionist there, I heard it and. The, and uh she was pushing the wheelchair and her daughter was morbidly obese mm. you know i mean i mean she was big and i thought this is this is a disaster waiting to happen and um and so I, I, you know if we could just do one small physical thing that you know get up i know it takes a lot but just get up start walking um lift those legs up move and you'd be amazed at what a difference it takes time, but what, you know, what else are you going to do today? You're going to just slouch around like Jabba, look like Jabba the hut. Right, get right. up, get up, physically get up.
0: The, uh, the next one is, uh, something that I think uh, really speaks to what you're talking about, about people not knowing what to say or, um, and, and sort of allows this to happen, but isolation is crippling, you know, go to, you you say, go to church or a synagogue or other place of worship or solstice. You know, can you talk about that just a little bit?
1: Support groups. If you, if you're dealing with spina bifida with your child or cerebral palsy, (laughs) excuse me, or Parkinson's with a loved one, Alzheimer's, whatever, there's a support group somewhere around. If you can't find one, go to a 12 step recovery group like um, Al-Anon or something like that. You're, you're, you're hanging around people who are trying to wrap them their minds around something they can't control which is exactly what we deal with care. It doesn't have to fit your scenario exactly, and don't try to make it that way, and don't try to get into a theological argument about it. Just be around people who are wrestling with something they can't control in a healthy manner, that they're they're trying to work through that and and deal with it. Um, go to church. Go to your synagogue. Go to some place that is in community with you. Make that effort. You can't go every time. I get that. Uh, you can't go every week, you can't go every time the doors are open, but you can push yourself to be engaged in community. Isolation is one of the three eyes that every caregiver deals with. We lose our independence, we become isolated, and we lose our identity. And that loss of identity is manifested when somebody asks a caregiver, how are you doing? Well, we can't respond in first person singular very well. Well, she had a bad night, or we're doing okay, or our situation is this. And all of this contributes to the, and, 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 and fosters even more stuff in that isolation. And isolation breeds dark thoughts for caregivers, Steven. Um, that's, where, that's where bad decisions really happen is in that isolation. So force yourself to get out to the best of your abilities. Excellent, excellent. The, uh,
0: the last one that you have is call a trusted friend and tell them you're struggling. Take a leap of faith that they will listen. Don't ask for solutions, just an ear and a tender heart.
1: That's it. And it's, that, that is the key. Now when you go to these support groups and so forth, you don't feel Don't feel this need that you got to share your entire story. That's what a trusted friend is for and develop those trusted friendships. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's, you know, who who knows? Just find that if, if, if you're willing to find one, one will appear. And you cultivate that. Don't make them drink from the fire hose. And just share every little nook and cranny of your life. Let it just percolate over time. Um, and and but build that relationship where you have a trusted friend. And I, I promise you, this is this is so critical. Do not try to get solutions. You know that's not going to happen what you're trying to do is get back on the main road and get back to safety you're trying to it's it's like going to the gym um there's that's not a solution that's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know there's not a point where you get to the you you go through physical fitness stuff and you say okay i'm done i'm good it's like me playing the piano there's not this point where i say i don't have to practice anymore right you know so we're not looking for solutions we're not looking for a destination we're not looking for an arrival what we're looking for is a change of lifestyle where we're willing to engage with another human being that's trusted on things that are really troubling us. Maybe it starts off with a counselor you don't have to go to a psychiatrist they're pretty expensive psychologists are pretty expensive social workers licensed clinical social workers and licensed mental health counselors they're not that expensive <laughs> And, and that's why I make my show available to folks that call in because it gives them practice to calling into somebody and say, here's how I feel. And I always ask every caller, how do you feel? Um, Because I want to know. And sometimes they don't know how to respond and we spend some time doing it. If they just want to call up and argue or just, you know, whatever and talk a bunch of God talk. I get a lot of people do that and they just, you know, they'll call in and say, well, I'm just blessed, but I hate my mama you know and I'm just wow. like come on let's, let's have a real conversation let's go back to this why are you saying you're blessed and then you turn right around and say you hate your mom and you're just talking real spiritual because that's a comfortable place for you let's get real let's just be real okay we're just two people who are going to lean against our swords on the field of battle and let's just talk about this a little bit
0: I can imagine that when someone first tries that is it a little like
1: it's very awkward of, you stutter yeah. you stammer you cry you 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 don't know what to say, you know. You kind of you know you know, you, you um, it, it's it's you don't know what to say sometimes. It, but you know, the first time I started playing the piano, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> right. You know the the first time I got out of a snowmobile, I you know I got stuck, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ran off the road. You know the the first time I started doing martial arts, I mean I didn't start off as a black belt. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's like life, man. It's just life. I mean, the first time you think about this, the first time you met your, your love of your life. I mean, it's not like you were really smooth. You know, you're, you're all nervous and don't know what to say. And You, you know, I, it's what it is for everybody. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's going to be a little awkward. So what? And that's why I give people a chance when they call into my show. At least they can practice there. It doesn't cost them anything. They don't even have to give their real name if they don't want it. You know, all I want to do is get them used to saying, I feel this way. I don't care what comes after the word. I feel. Now we can have a real conversation. Nice. The, uh, I think, uh, I I
0: think your resolutions are just so powerful and so idea giving, I think is the best, the best thing for me to think about it. As I think about, uh, From the standpoint of trying to figure out how to help and engage a caregiver, um, as well as from the other standpoint of being a caregiver. yeah, Peter, you have an amazing website, and uh, I was wondering if you might want to tell everybody a little bit about what they would find if they go to um, standingwithhope.com.
1: Well, State with Hope is is the overarching um, ministry of what we do. Gracie and I do. She, we have two two program areas. We do a prosthetic limb outreach for her fellow amputees in West Africa. We're going to be going this summer. We got a shitload of supplies that are going um, this month, and uh, we've been doing this for 15 years. Um, and uh, but it's for the wounded and those who care for them. And the wounded is the, for the amputees that, that Gracie wanted to reach out to her own people that look just like her. I mean, that they're dealing with prosthetic limbs and amputation and so forth. And then those who care for them, and that's where I step in with what I do. And um, uh, we have a program where inmates recycle prosthetic limbs. Uh, we collect them from all over the country. They go to a prison in Tennessee and inmates strip them down so that we can reuse the, the recyclable parts. Not all of it can be, but a lot of it can be. The knees, the feet, the pile on the screws, the adapters, socks, belts, systems, all that kind of stuff. Excuse me. Then we'll send all that over there to uh, West Africa. And then um, we'll purchase other things so they can make a custom limb on site uh, for those patients. Then we take prostitutes with us. That's prostitutes, even. That's not prostitutes. They got plenty of hookers in Africa. We don't need to take them over there. Right. And um, we got um. that uh, nah, That's just funny. Y'all know that's funny. <laughs> yes. But it's um, um, so we do that. And then Um, And when we launched the radio show and the ministry to the family caregiver, uh, I realized that I needed to be a good steward of what I've received and what I've learned through this process and offer it to my fellow caregivers, much in the same way Gracie does with prosthetics. And so it's a a beautiful blend of our own experiences. It's very personal to us. And um, I, I know how painful it is for the family caregiver. Uh, I know what that's like. I know it in ways I hope many people never know. And the longevity of this thing and doesn't show any signs of slowing down is challenging. And, um, and yet here we are. And, and so, what can I? How can I be a good steward of this? How can I offer what I've been given in a way that means something to my fellow caregivers? And um, and that's what you'll see at Standing with Hope, and you'll see um, our music and so forth. I've got a CD called Songs for the Caregiver. You can download it on iTunes and all the and Amazon and all the streaming services, and it's very calming. You can just it's just very calming to listen to. Uh, it's mostly hymns. And um, I'll do a lot of piano solos with it. And then Gracie sings about every of those songs. I have some other guests on it. I think you'll find it very meaningful. Her CD has just come out and we're giving that away now for any contribution to Standing with Hope to help with the Prosthetic Limb Program. Uh, Eventually it'll be available on iTunes and Amazon and all that kind of stuff. But um, and, and you can hear some of that stuff out there on the website. And then you can link over to my page and then our podcast, which is free. We have the nation's largest broadcast for the family caregivers. And we have the nation's largest uh, – the world's largest podcast for it. Actually, we have the world's largest broadcast too because we have people listen to, outside of the United States to the show on Sirius and on American Families. So uh, we, we, we put it out there. That's the point. I'm putting it out there. Now, the question is to my fellow caregivers, are you going to take advantage of it? It's there. you know. The podcast, like I said, it's free. What's stopping you from listening to this and listening to a fellow caregiver help you get back to a place of safety? Because that's all I'm doing. It's just pointing people back to safety where they can catch their breath, take a knee, and develop better strategies to living through this thing. And don't think, let me just add this too, Stephen, don't think for one moment that this journey of yours as a caregiver ends at a cemetery. Because long after the grass has started growing after the grave, caregivers can still be dealing with the residual impact of this. Now, I don't know this personally because I'm still a caregiver after three plus decades, but I've talked with enough caregivers. I know this, that it's, they re, they relive it long after the funeral. And that's something I'm taking very seriously with my fellow caregivers so that when they finally walk away from that cemetery, they can be at peace with this thing and build a life for themselves, uh, that they've already been laying a foundation for while serving as a caregiver.
0: This is, uh, you know, the the topic is so needed and, uh, it is awesome that you take time to uh, provide the outlets as well as the the, uh, the suggestions and uh, the help and assistance and and uh, and just the what you and uh, uh, you're you're doing across the world, not just within our own country. And uh, it's so powerful, so powerful. The uh, and just as a note, I want to make sure. So the podcast is called um, Hope for the Caregiver, right? And that's the podcast, the,
1: show, the podcast, the whole thing, everything, the book, everything is Hope for the Caregiver.
0: Nice. Excellent. So as we finish up, are there any last words or thoughts that you would like to share with my audience? You know, if if they would like to learn more about where, where would you send them?
1: Well, I, I just go out to the website. Just just go out to hopefullycaregiver.com. dot com. You can get to both websites from there. It's all interchangeable. But but if you, if you can't remember anything else, just put on there caregiver comma Peter and do a Google search on that. <laughs> you know, I mean it's yeah, there's tons of information out there. I've written and a lot of stuff. I've had done a lot of media interviews about this, and so I, I'm putting it out there for you. Please, please, please. Uh, take a chance on this I did in the midst of some of the creation and I didn't have I didn't have a cohesive aggregated um, message to me as a caregiver through any of this stuff that I've been through I've had people that have intersected me and I've tried to pick and and glean from that but I put it now in a way where I am taking a, a machete and cutting down through some of this brush to give people behind me a little bit smoother path. They don't have to make the mistakes that I've made. They don't have to to learn the hard lessons that I've had to learn. They can learn from me on this. And, and I'm putting myself out there to say, here's, here's some things I've learned along the way that I, I know are gonna be helpful to you.
0: Excellent, excellent. The, it, one of the things I like to do um, before I close out a show is I like to ask a, a general question of, of my guests. And the, the question goes like this, Peter. Did you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life or a positive impact? If so, if you had a, who would it be? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I've had a lot of good teachers in my life. Uh, I think the biggest teacher I've had in my life is failure. <laughs> and I don't know how to say thank you to failure other than say thank you failure. But I have—I uh, call myself the crash test dummy of caregivers. If you can fail at it, i fail at it. And I've had ample time to make more mistakes than most people are ever going to make as a caregiver. And I've forgotten more mistakes than most people are going to ever make. Um, but failure is a great teacher. And I don't think that we as caregivers should despise that. We're human beings, we're going to fail, we're going to make mistakes, but can we learn from them? And, and I have done so. I've had, um, I can think of three great teachers I've had um, in my life, my piano professor um, in, in college, who I still stay in touch with, he's 80 years old now, and he is um, uh, just a wonderful man. But he taught me a lot about life and music. And uh, in fact, uh, he uh, accompanied Gracie on, he was a jazz professor and he accompanied Gracie on one of the songs on her new record. It's just wonderful. Uh, I could look at um, a couple of pastors, one in particular who really stood out in my life as as an extraordinary um, minister to me, who who was able to communicate the things of God to me in a way that um, others were not. And part of it is, is because he was just, I, I'll never forget, he he showed up at the hospital one day, and Gracie had just hadn't gone into uh, respiratory arrest; She had just coded. And I was sitting next to her, she was not on monitors or anything, and evidently they'd given her too much post-operative pain management, it was a pretty ugly surgery. And, um, but she was in a regular room, and all of a sudden I looked over, she's blue and um and I got the nurses in there, and everybody could we you know the, the whole team came and they started resuscitating and everything else and I stayed in the room they I, they all knew me, I didn't know them, but they all knew me evidently and um um they they and they knew her um and they and they were taking her down to um i c u and as i as they got her out of the room and as as they left, the whole entourage left, and she you know certainly you know as you can tell she was okay um I saw this pastor friend of mine and he's, he had come to see me. He just stood there, (coughs) excuse me. And he looked at me and the look on his face was so kind and so caring. And he's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about six, seven, eight inches taller than him. And he looked, he just looked up at me and he put his hand on my shoulder. Didn't say a word. And to get together, we just walked down to ICU. Didn't say a word. He just stood with me. He walked with me. He was there with me. And, um, you know, that, it really drove home that verse in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, and I think that presence is what drove that that moment for me, just being with me. He didn't have to fix it. He didn't have to say anything. He just, just was there with me. And I think the greatest teacher I've had through all this is my own father who's not only captain of the Navy, a minister for 60 years. And he's just been with me. He's just cared for me. He's he's a wise man. And um, so I've had, uh, I've had a plethora of good teachers. None of them had any of the caregiving experience that I've had. But I've taken the best of what they've offered and made it into hopefully a, a cohesive message for my fellow caregivers so that they can... Um, glean from a lifetime that I've, I've lived through and have a lifeline for themselves.
0: That's so awesome. And that's, that's thank you so much for sharing. And, and today, and Peter, thank, thank you just for your incredible advice and thoughts about taking care of the caregiver. Uh, your eight great New Year's resolutions for caregivers is so needed and helpful, as well as the information that's on your website and your podcast, and your radio show. You know, I just encourage my listeners to, to check out all your information there, uh, as well as your books and, and your CD coming out. So the, uh, you know, you've brought light to their needs and it's so necessary. You know, your thoughts inspire many and, and to take an action. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough.
1: Well, thank you for the privilege of doing this. I love doing this. I love being able to have these kind of conversations. I like doing it on a format like this, Stephen, because it lets us unpack ideas a little bit better. You know, yes. it, it, it's, it's hard when you cram it into, you know, three-minute sound bites. And um, and so it's, it's nice to be able just to just unpack it. And I hope this has been very meaningful to your listeners, because um, I know that with the listeners you have, you know that there's, there's a, a sizable number of them that are dealing with this, or they're going to be dealing with it. And so thank you for the privilege of, of introducing me to your audience.
0: Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here.